Well, we've been uh, grabbing some time thinking about Jesus and his discipling of individuals. You know, we have uh, looked at his choice of Mary Magdalene, who was an outcast in her society, and yet Jesus chose her, healed her, redeemed her, bought her, called her by name, cast out the demons, and then used her in his uh, ministry. We talked last week about Matthew, who was not just an outcast. He was a hated individual by there. We talked about going from a cage to community. Today, parallel with the third of the series of The Chosen, we're going to talk about Jesus and his relationship, his call toward children, toward children. So this is a no-brainer. This is a fantastic opportunity for us to see Jesus face-to-face with kids. I saw this. This just appeared on our deal. I think Bernie showed up in children's. I, I don't know how he got there, but somebody, yeah. He does get around. I just keep seeing him everywhere, you know. Oh, Let's get into the scriptures, though. Because uh, Jesus and children is really what we're talking about, right? Jesus and children and his relationship with kiddos, face-to-face with kids. So I've actually listed Mark 10 as a starting point today because this is a huge issue in our culture, in our society. How do we treat children? What What is our attitude toward children? And we're probably a little bit schizophrenic about that. We're probably bipolar or something with with children because on the one hand, especially the unborn, we have not treated well in our culture and our society. And even children uh, at times are the uh, targets of many uh, abuses in our culture. And yet some families, they actually have become bowing down at the altar of their children (laughs) and exalted their children really to the place where, where God alone should have supremacy. And so we have this kind of bifurcated realm when it comes to children. Do we value them? How do we value them? How do we treat them? And and how do we not become um, so influenced by them that we fail to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? So let's look at Jesus, the perfect example, as always, and ask ourselves the question, how does that affect us. This is from Mark chapter 10, verse three, 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. The disciples rebuked them, those people. When Jesus saw this, they're rebuking, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. That's powerful, isn't it? Let me repeat that. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children into his arms. He placed his hands on them and he blessed them. Let's bow in prayer real quick if we can. Father, thank you for this model, this example, this lead of Jesus in how to go face-to-face with kids, how to love children. Would you show us, Lord, how you're calling us 
to love children like Jesus did. We pray for this to come alive to us. We pray to you to unstop our ears so we hear you, unstop our eyes so we see you, soften our heart so we feel you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jot some of these notes down if you don't mind because I want to lead you through a couple of things about how Jesus dealt with kids and then how he used kids to be an example and a model for us in our lives. First thing I just want you to zero in on is how children were drawn to Jesus. Children were drawn to Jesus. They were uh, compelled to come close to Jesus. The people were bringing them. In fact, um, the adults had a big part to play in that. But notice the uh, phraseology. You know, the idea of let the children come to me. There's this sense of just don't build any barriers. (laughs) Do not hinder them. If you don't build barriers, (laughs) if you just allow God, God will draw children to Jesus. It is natural. The idea of bringing children versus just letting them find their own way. You know, I hear that from some parents sometimes. I'm not going to tell my kids anything about God, and someday they'll just have to find it out themselves. And so I ask them quite often, well, how does that work on other things? Let's say nutrition. If you leave nutrition totally to your kids and say, you can have whatever you want, someday you'll find out about nutrition. Uh, how many, <laughs> you know, ice cream for every meal, right? Yeah. It, it, Jim signs up for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we don't do that with anything else. We, we, we strive to train up our children in the things that are healthy and good for them. In this case, the parents were bringing their children to Jesus. Now, this was a temple ceremony. They actually would, in the temple, uh, have periods and times where children would, be, would come to be blessed by the leaders, by the rabbis, by the, by the fellowship. Remember Jesus at, at eight days old? They went to the temple in Jerusalem and Simeon and Anna. I mean, they, they would hold up the baby and praise God. And they would sometimes give a special name. In fact, often naming wasn't even done until that point or some other point in the temple where a person's attributes were actually seen and their name reflected their attributes of their life. And as Simeon would hold up baby Jesus and say, finally, I get to go to be to my home because the Lord promised me I would see the Messiah before I checked out. (laughs) And he blessed the baby Jesus. Well, Jesus is in this mode here of people bringing children to him to lay his hands on them, to hold them up, to bless them. That's where our um, kind of practice of praying for babies, families, and parents comes from. Let's pray deeply and insert the prayer of blessing on children because it's not easy, right? It's not easy to raise children, especially if you got a whole pot of them, a whole crew of them. You know, it's a challenge. God wants us to be bringing our children to the feet of Jesus. 
recognizing the spiritual desire that children have. They need to know that there's something great. They need to know that they're a, a product of God's creation. Now, our society is going to tell them the opposite. Our society is going to say you're a mere product of chance. You just happen to evolve. You're just here by randomness. Don't let the world disciple your kids. Don't let the world disciple your grandkids. Bring them to the, to the throne of Christ and let them hear the blessing that comes from Jesus. Parents are reaching out in this pandemic. I've had several parents call me and say, my kids are going nuts. This isolation is killing them. One of my, one of my um, kids identified with a note that a friend wrote that said they wanted to do away with themselves. And I'm worried about my kids. Yeah, it hurts. Kids need to hear about how much God loves them. They need to hear their value, their purpose, the meaning that God is building into their life simply by their relationship with the Heavenly Father and with the Son. Adults need to bring their children to Jesus. You need to have prayer in your home. Take time around meals or whatever and let the Lord's hands be on them. It may not be his physical hands, but nonetheless, it's the hands of the Lord that can lead. See, it was this idea of adults bringing the kids and the kids getting close to the Lord. Can I encourage you, if you haven't watched this series with a group of kids, I don't care where they are. I don't care if they're your grandkids or your neighbor kids or your own kids. Find a group of kids and watch. This is the third of the series. Watch this session with your kids. It's powerful. And talk to them about Jesus' desire to relate to them, to get close to them. The first of the series with Mary Magdalene, it's kind of got a PG rating. It's kind of, you know, you got demon possession and red light district, and you got some things in there that children might not understand. The whole tax collection thing, it's an adult topic. Kids don't pay taxes. But this one, it's G-rated for everybody, you know. Take some time, and let me say it this way. If you don't have kids, if you don't have a group of kids that you can take into this kind of a setting, you're not close enough to kids. It's time to build some relationships. There are kids in our community, in our world, in our church that are begging for adult attention. What about that? What if you become that bridge to love them closer to Jesus? Here's an example of Jesus starting to build relationship with two kids. It ends up growing. This is fiction, but it's based on the principles that we see in Scripture of Jesus relating to kids and Jesus' teaching about children. Let's watch this. 
Can you hit the lights, Brent? Greetings, children. You know, it is not safe for a child to wander from their home. You never know if there are bad men around. You are wise to bring your friend this time. Joshua. Shalom, Joshua. I admire your bravery to come here. You are a good friend. Oh, don't worry. I'm not a bad man. See, I know it. You are free to stay for a bit, but I'm afraid I have some work to do. Okay. And thank you for not taking any food yesterday. See, I know it. So, what are you doing here? I'm visiting for a time. Where are you from? Nazareth. What is that wood for? I'm building something. Are you a carpenter? Sometimes, but I'm a craftsman. I build all kinds of things. So, why don't you live in the house? I travel a lot. How do you make money? Happy. Just asking him how he makes money. I know, you shouldn't. It's okay. I don't make money when I travel. So for now, I build things and trade them for my food and clothing. What is that? Ah, this is going to be a lock and key. Joshua, ask him questions. He's nice. No, thank you. What else will you build? Wealthy people love decorations and toys for their children. My family isn't wealthy. Many times that's better. I don't know about that. <laughs> you will. My mom made me this. Oh, what's her name? Sarah. Very pretty. Okay, time to go home. Bye. Just a little window into Jesus. Uh, you're going to see these kids a little bit later. I've got a couple other clips that I want to uh, show you. But think of the kind of the instinctive nature of children and Jesus and the desire that Jesus had to connect with kids. And I want to say it this way. Jesus is the one who will meet the needs of your kids and even you as you have kids and as you work with kids raise them up into uh, eternity. There's a natural attraction. Jot that down if you haven't yet. Bringing little children, getting close to Jesus, and this natural attraction. That's, I think, why he says, let them come to me. You know, if they're not hindered, they're going to ask questions about God. They're going to ask questions about, well, then what? And then what? And what if I get saved? Then what? They're going to keep asking questions. And you, as a leader, as believer, as a lover of children, could be that opportunity to give them the attraction to Christ, to filter, to foster that, to fertilize that. You know, the old-fashioned King James Version said, suffer the little children, or suffer not the little children to come unto me. You know, that's a poor translation because we use suffer in a totally different way in our uh, language. But it basically meant permit. Permit the children. Let the children come to me. I know there's lots of times when kids are more eager to even come to church than parents are to get up early and to bring them. You know? 
Some of you know what I mean when it comes to that. Remove barriers. I moved next, to, next door to a young boy who was the hoodlum of the neighborhood. This is before Liddy and I even had kids. We moved into a basement apartment of a friend of mine from church in Tacoma. And uh, Todd had never been to church. So I said, Todd, you need to come to church. So he rode his bike to church, <laughs> came down and sat in the front row. You could tell he's never been to church, right? <laughs> Anyone who sits in the front row is a newbie, you know? <laughs> well, he just thinking it was like the movies. Well, he had a hat on and he had a Coke in his hand. So the, the sanctuary Nazi, I call her, <laughs> the enforcer of the rules came in, pulled his hat off, said, we don't wear hats in the sanctuary, and grabbed the Coke. We don't drink drinks in the sanctuary. Now, he was like bewildered. He's like wondering, what? what? And I got ticked. You could imagine, you know, what? This kid just showed up. Get the hat off. And it's like, no, put the hat back on. He wore it backwards. He was a kid. And I'll get you another Coke afterwards. Think about it, though, for a minute. I mean, that's why I don't even like to call this a sanctuary. You know why? Sanctuaries are set apart for one thing. This is a multi-purpose building, multi-purpose use building. I call this the auditorium on purpose. You can call it whatever you want. <laughs> but when we, when we use that term, and when we think sanctuary means you can't wear a hat if you're a kid, or you can't drink a drink if you're a kid, come on, the, the, the reaching of the kid has to be stronger and removing barriers has to be our goal. Not what's the, what's the most we can do to cause people to stay away. It's just the opposite. What's the most we can do to attract people and to tell them Jesus accepts them just as they are, where they're at. He doesn't require you to change to come to him. He requires you to come to him to change you. He'll make the difference in your life. He'll work it to be what? So you might ask yourself, how do I do that? Well, how do I remove barriers? How do I build relationship? Number one, build relationship with God with your kids through prayer. We're going to see an example of, of, of a prayer that all the Jewish kids had to learn. You probably know this word, the Shema. Am I saying it right, Brad? The Shema. Say that together. The Shema. You know, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind strength. Memorize scripture with your kids. They're at a drink-in point. They memorize so quickly. Barbara's been working with my grand grandson. Man, he's got chapters that he's digesting and learning. Praise God. Yeah. Prayer, scripture, teaching. That's what Jesus did, and that's what this video really shows is Jesus singing with the kids, Jesus teaching the kids, 
Jesus letting the kids pray the Shema uh, together and, and, and growing in that. Let's take a gander at this. Just leave him alone. Is he dead? Shh. I couldn't have waited half an hour, eh? Can we be around today? Uh, these are my other friends, and Joshua again. Shalom, Abigail's friends, and Joshua again. Shalom. 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 Can we be around today? I suppose, but I have some work to do. You might have to help. Good. How much longer are you going to stay here? Until it is time for me to go. When's that? Well, I have some work to do here. And some people to meet. And then I will know the right time. You seem nice. Are you dangerous? Hmm. Maybe to some. But no, not to you. And I won't harm anyone. Do you have friends? A few, and more to come. Abby said you travel a lot. Do you have a house? My father provides everything I need. Is your father rich? <laughs> Did Abigail tell you to ask me that? No. That is a question for another time. What's your favorite food? Oh, Joshua the Brave speaks. Hmm. I like so many different foods, but I especially love bread for many reasons. How are those spoons coming along, girls? Good? String. Is it tight? Yep. Almost? Okay. So tell me, do you all know how to pray the Shema? Yes. Oh, I would love to hear it. You lead us. Hear Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. And it shall come to pass if you surely listen to the commandments I command you today. That you may gather in your grain, your wine, and your oil, and you will eat, and you will be satisfied. get an emotional picture of Jesus and kids relating to the Heavenly Father. Removing barriers and fostering relationship. Removing barriers and fostering relationship. I mentioned earlier the fellow with the hat and the Coke, Todd. Eventually, he hung in there. Eventually, he became a youth, uh, a leader of his peers. He grew our whole youth group. Um, over and over, he, be, he became kind of a spark because he was the neighborhood hoodlum who now was a follower of Christ. He ended up going to Ozark Bible College to train for ministry, became a youth pastor, and is still leading kids on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. Because exactly that. When you remove barriers, 
It's unbounded. It's amazing what God can and will do. Don't let the barriers stop. Lord, when kids are around you here, how do you react? Do you ignore them? That doesn't seem Christ-like. Do you interact with them? Now, I know we got a culture that's so paranoid and so cautious. I want to press against that. Let's be Christ-like in spite of what our culture says, in spite of what society leans toward. Love kids anyway. You following that? Jesus said, Jesus wants us to set them up for success. Remember Proverbs 22, 6? Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. In Monterey, California, they took a baby whale and put a radio sensor on it. And they were able to track this thing. It was on a Discovery Channel deal. I love those kind of things. It tracked it all over the world. But it came back to Monterey Bay at the right time, in the right way, to, to, give, to give birth. To, it came home. And that's the idea. You want to put a homing device in a way like a, like a baby whale has in these children so that they get the experience of knowing what it means to relate to God in prayer, to relate to God in song, to relate to God in the fellowship of believers. Train up a child in the way he should go. So let's focus for a minute on the negative aspect because Jesus comes against the disciples who were discounting the children and the people who were bringing the children. I call it children discounted by many. So the children were drawn to Jesus. Those around him were discounting them. The disciples rebuked the people bringing the kids when the, and, and, and were putting them down, saying they were kind of like the, the sanctuary Nazi. You know, they were like, wait, wait, wait. Our master is busy. Do not bother him with these little children. He's got important things to do. Don't you realize he's a rabbi? Don't you realize he's got adults to teach? And what did Jesus do? Jesus saw this and he was, what's the word? It's a varsity word, isn't it? Indignant. He was indignant. That's the only time this word is used of Jesus. I mean, of all the things Jesus got indignant about, the only one that's listed is when children were mistreated or discounted. Okay? Jesus became indignant. And that's when he said that. So let me talk about mistakes and misunderstandings. Jesus sees this group of leaders not valuing, as he described and taught them, to value the least of these. I mean, children would fit that mode, right? The least of these. He said, when you do it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. He taught us to flip society's values on their head, where we would have kings and noblemen and priests and leaders and go all the way down and children would be on the bottom. <laughs> Jesus said, flip that baby over. Flip that over and start with the least of these. That's why he was indignant because they were discounting, devaluing the children. 
there was a mistake. And boy, was it a misunderstanding. They had heard from their culture that the important people are where the attention should be. And Jesus, no, the important people are where the attention should be, those that are in need. Let's watch Jesus really talk with the kids on a deep and serious level, okay? Jesus believed that kids were available so for spiritual matters. I tried to walk away, but he wouldn't stop pushing me. So I pushed him so hard he fell down. And that's why you were punished. Did you expect something different? But even Torah says eye for eye. Why should I be punished too? Yes, but that is for a judge. You were hardly in a court of law. And you, all of you, are to be special. You are to act differently than others. You tell us to be gentle, but Rabbi Josiah said Messiah would lead us against the Romans, that he would be a great military leader. It is important to respect your teachers and honor your parents. And Rabbi Josiah is a smart man, but many times smart men lack wisdom. Is there anything in scripture that says Messiah will be a great military leader? There are many things about scripture that you cannot understand yet. And that is okay. That is fine. You have many years ahead of you. And God does not reveal all things at once. But children, what if many of the things that our people think about how we are to behave and how we are to treat one another are wrong? You want things to be fair. When someone wrongs you, you want to right it. And you know who else loves justice? But what does the Lord say in the law of Moses about justice and vengeance? Vengeance is mine. Yes, very good. Very good. Boys, pay attention. She doesn't even go to Torah class, huh? <laughs> the Lord loves justice. Maybe it is not ours to handle. Do you remember when David had the chance to kill King Saul, who was evil to him? But he didn't. Saul was God's anointed. And it was not the right time for justice. And God says he will have compassion on his people when... What? Let's see if someone who studies this at school is learning, huh? When their strength is gone? Yes, very good. So, maybe we let God provide the justice. Hmm? Maybe we handle these things in a different way. Not trying to be the strongest all the time. Even Messiah? You will have to see. Yeah, so uh, Jesus saw their misunderstandings of the disciples and he knew this kind of interaction was available and so he rebukes them so you get the uh you get the people rebuke the, the disciples rebuking the people even the disciples rebuking the children but you get Jesus rebuking the disciples <laughs> he gets indignant and the bible says that he he rebukes them go back one brent if you could there you go and um, it reminds me of the um, Wizard of Oz, you know, when Dorothy and Toto and the Tin Man, and they all come to the, to, the, to the Oz, and you've got the 
big head and, you know, it's like, what are you here for? You know, and that's kind of the picture you get. What are you doing with these children here? And uh, think about Jesus's reply. Let the children come to me. They're here for relationship. They're here for spiritual insight. They're here for spiritual growth and answers. That's the innate, inbred, inborn status of children. They are going to be searching and seeking a relationship with God. And our job is to get out of the way and to fan that flame, foster that, throw some fertilizer on there and watch it take off, watch it grow. That's what Jesus was doing by touching and blessing them. Touching and blessing them, whether that's figurative touching or literal touching. The, the, the uh, custom was to lay the hand on the top of the head or to lay the hand on the shoulder. That was what they meant by touching them. We'd lay his hand on the top of the head. And just like he did with uh, Joshua, he said, Joshua, the brave, they would often give a, uh, a terminology or a phraseology or a, a nickname to someone at that point. And often, just like Jesus did with Peter or, or others, it would be a forecast of what was to come. It would be envisioning a future. What, what if we as parents, grandparents, the body of Christ with kids in our midst, what if we become those who envision a future for our kids and declare it to him? Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. They're not my kids. So what? These weren't Jesus's kids. Jesus had no kids, but he had kids. <laughs> and he touched them and he blessed them. And every person in the body of Christ is called to be part of that chain of Jesus blessing and touching kids. Loving them so much that they see this place, this place, the church of Jesus Christ as a place where blessing and touching takes place, where they sense the love of God in their life. That's what it's all about. It's what he's called us to do and to be and to grow in. You know, something to think about. You know, we don't make the rules. Jesus does. If we made the rules, they'd probably look different. They probably look like the disciples. Let's streamline this and get down to the business here. We don't make the rules and we don't discriminate. The, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Yeah, nobody is outside the scope, especially when it comes to children. And we must not place barriers to the gospel in people's way. Accept people right where they're at and love them. Jesus had some really harsh words for those that would put barriers in the way, didn't he? This is Matthew uh, chapter 18. It was kind of like, a, woe to you if you cause one of these little ones of mine to stumble. Here was the word Jesus said. It would be better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck and for, you to be, to, for that millstone to be thrown into the deepest sea and for you to harm one of these little ones of mine. It's like, whoa. Now, how did that get started? Well, it got started because the disciples were arguing over who's the greatest. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus grabs a child and he uses a child as an object lesson. 
He uses his child as the the go-to point. He said, this is the goal. This is not the one to be shunned and, and replaced. This is the goal for all of us to become like. We become like them in faith and trust. Become like them in innocence. In fact, we're going to dig into that aspect of how Jesus would use children as a model in a lot of ways. It was that children were designed to be a model. So children are drawn to Jesus. People discounted that. But children are to be a a design for us to be modeled after and to grow in. Because we are his children. The kingdom of God belongs to these. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child. Think about what that means. We've got to receive the Lord like a little child. Instead of hoping the children become more like us, it's our opportunity to become more like them. One last clip for you as Jesus deals with kids. I'm telling you this because even though you are children and the elders in your life have lived longer, many times adults need the faith of children. And if you hold on to this faith really tightly, someday soon you will understand all of what I'm saying to you. But you ask an important question, Abigail. What is my reason for being here? And the answer is for all of you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Isaiah. Isaiah. I have loved spending this time with you. You are all so very special. And I hope that my next students ask the same questions you do and that they listen to my answers. But I suspect they do not have the understanding you do. And I hope that when the time comes, they will tell others about me like you have. Oh, they are to be emulated. I want to end with a passage of scripture from Romans chapter 8 and uh, just dig into this for just a second because it identifies us as children. Children are the model and we are the children. We're called the children of God. Listen to this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Knowing kids, dealing with kids is not just good for them. You know, there's a side to it that says this will help you understand your relationship with the Heavenly Father as well. Listen to this. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. Brian, does that sound good? 
It's like your passage you read from John 15. So that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in the sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I just want to cover a couple things real quick. Think about for a minute from this passage, the insurance or the assurance that we have. We are confident, jot this down, that we are children of God. The spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the Lord's kids. And he wants us to learn how to be his children so that we can replicate that for others and particularly kids. Kids are our object lesson to become more like them. So he wants us to know for certain, to be confident, not to live in fear, not to live in fear again, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit received you and you're a son, you're a daughter of the most high God. Just take confidence in that and realize you're a king's kid. No matter what you're going through right now, know that you are God's child and everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be all right. Why? Not because the world's all right, but because the Father has you in his heart, you in his hands, you in his love. Take the next one. It's uh, intimacy. I mean, this passage speaks not just of our assurance and insurance, but the fact that we have intimacy. That's where this phrase comes, Abba, Father. You know that phrase, right? It's not a word for formality, our heavenly Father. No, it's more like, Daddy, my Daddy. When the kids call you, Pampa, instead of Grandpa, you go, oh, that's tender, that's sweet, that's nice. It's that word. Abba. First word kids said in the Jewish culture as they grew up, just like mama, dada. It's Abba, daddy. It was a word for a little kid to call, a word of intimacy and closeness and dependency. That's what he's saying here. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are who? God's kids, God's children. Last one, <laughs> I love this. Not only do we have the assurance and the insurance, we have the intimacy, we've also got the inheritance. I mean, look at that. That's what kids can look forward to <laughs> as children in the physical realm. We in the spiritual realm have an inheritance. Look what it says. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. We inherit Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Everything that is Jesus Christ as the, 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 the son of God becomes ours. We inherit his authority, his leadership, his love, his grace, his heart for us, etc. We inherit who he is, eternity, peace, and more than that, his blood over our sins. So you become... You, you recognize your spot as children of God. So you got Jesus allowing children to be drawn to him. And you got Jesus using children to speak to us that we would become 
like him. Let's stand and pray together. Oh, Father, thank you for loving us the, the, the way you do. It's so powerful. Thank you for putting children in our midst and allowing us to see your love for them, to see your desire for them. Would you help us, Lord, be a congregation where every person strives to see your love flow through them to the least of these, to the children in our midst? Lord, would you cause us to be a growing congregation, loving kids to pieces? But also, Lord, would you help us as your children to experience all that you have for us, your love, your grace, your intimacy, and your inheritance for us? Lord, we just dedicate ourselves anew to you. If there's anyone who has not yet received you, would this be a day of atonement for them where they would submit to being a child of God? Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.